I love scrappers. Dro here with a quick disclaimer. Though we always strive to keep our content on Pot Against the Machine accessible to everyone, Call of Cthulhu is, by its very nature, a dark and sometimes disturbing game system. So, just a heads up that this particular McFib series may feature the following. Disturbing imagery. Physical and psychological injury. Discussions of psychological issues. Drugs and drug paraphernalia. Acts of violence. And other adult themes that, though we strive to keep them at a roughly PG-13 level, could nonetheless be uncomfortable for some listeners. So listener discretion is advised for this series. It's even darker than she expected. From the outside, the boards looked like they wouldn't block much light. And maybe that was true, during the day. But it was nearly one in the morning now, and cloudy out too. Should have brought a flashlight. She creeps forward, squinting, hoping her eyes will adjust enough to the dark that she doesn't trip over something and break her idiot neck. Suddenly, there's a loud bang from behind her and she screams. Then she hears the laughter. Not funny, boop holes. Yes, it was. Vic's voice calls from the other side of the door. Of course it was Vic. Well, he was going in next, so she'd make sure to pay him back. I can't see a damn thing in here. Pat, how did you find anything? I use my eyes. Smart ass. Boop. She starts forward again and feels a wet pop as she steps on something. Oh, God, I think there's bugs in here. Well, yeah, what do you expect? Puppies or something? I swear to God, Victor Huggins, I will get back at you for this. She mutters under her breath as she moves towards what looks like a hallway, trying to ignore the sticky feeling on her right shoe as she steps. As she reaches the hallway, a light flickers on at its other end. What? Hello? No answer. She moves cautiously towards it. At the end of the hall, a double door opens into some kind of office. Or maybe they called it a study back then? Hello? The figure in the office, holding an electric lantern, turns towards her. Oh, it's you. I, uh, I'm lost. I, I swear I didn't break in. I just got confused and kind of... She trails off, realizing there's no getting out of this. So, how much trouble am I in? But the figure doesn't answer. Instead, they just smile. There's something wrong with that smile, and suddenly Amanda decides she needs to get out, even if it means running away from an adult. She turns to leave, takes one step, two. Just as she's about to really start running, a hand closes over her wrist like a steel trap. She opens her mouth to scream, but another hand clamps over it. The last thing she thinks before everything goes black is, I should have made Vic go in first.
Hello everyone, and welcome back to Jimmy Fame Presents Bonus Against the Machine, more Pod for Your Bod, sponsored by Charlie the Lizard Folks, Chicken Emporium, more Cluck for Your Buck. We are back in episode 6 of our <laughs> one shot of Call of Cthulhu with a recommended runtime of 3 hours. <laughs> We're back in the van. 3 hours. <laughs> Where we belong, back in the... Or sitting on the curb. to crash into a culvert. Yeah, this is all just a dying dream in Peanutman's head. It's he like, no, it's like a Darren Aronofsky joint. We're on some, like, memento stuff. We've been doing yeah. this in every city. Big spoilers yeah. for that Cyrus's 2000s ladder. film, by the way. Yeah, Phenomenal film. Remember Just, Sammy Jenkins? I look at my fingers and one says fine and the other one says fright, so I guess I would have to have No, the other one, <laughs> one says peanut, the other one says man. No, it's just P-N-U-T. Yeah, that's what I'm imagining, oh, right? Oh, yeah. And that's man good. and then an exclamation point on the pinky, I guess. Yeah. You're getting these tattooed now, right? <laughs> I, I, I'm, yeah, currently, right now. That's why I was clarifying. Yeah, Patreon goal. Oops, that yeah. P is backwards. Anyway, let's yeah. keep going. Uh, so, when last we left our uh, intrepid, invisible investigators, that works. Uh, <laughs> Incorporeal inquisitors. Incorpor oh, that's such a better word. Everybody, he's so much better at it than I am. Uh, when last we left, our intrepid incorporeal investigators, uh, the gang decided to split up and look for clues, as uh, gangs are wont to do when searching for ghosts in a haunted house. And uh, Obadiah decided to stay at the Hemingford home and look through some of the uh, literary stuff that he'd acquired before they lost their memories. Uh, read some interesting uh, interesting passage from a book on native myths and legends. Uh, Colm harassed a funeral worker. <laughs> may or may not have had the police called on him. Uh, Didn't even get to huff for Meldehyde while you were there. <laughs> I feel wrong. Real big character development that you missed out on. Uh, uh, Marlin talked with the uh, representative of Casa Grande Realty, who are managing the house, uh, got a little bit of information from her, but she seems to mostly be a non-believer in this whole ghost spook thing. And uh, Cyrus had an actually fairly deep conversation with the mayor, uh, mainly about uh, Jack Terrence, the caretaker of the house, who tragically killed his family in the uh, 1970s, which was just not a uh, great thing. And yeah, the existence of the Cobsham Widow, which is huge. Oh, yes, you did discover that uh, Bethany Cobsham is still alive, and that the reason the real estate office is in charge of the house is because she is apparently in some sort of legal dispute with the state of Nebraska over the ownership of the house. So I think I was picking everybody up. So I imagine it's like Marlon. It's like a normal scene of like pulling over and like picking up Marlon. And then like Colm, it's one of those like the panel van is open and we're driving at a speed and Colm is, oh brother, where art thouing into the van. Uh, 
<laughs> perhaps with some scrap. As like half a Blues Brothers movie worth of cops are behind you. It's just a man of constant sorrow. He's, he's about to run off. Man of constant uppers. Run off. The soundtrack for that movie, it's real good. Uh, okay, so you pick them up. Uh, how about all three of you in the van now? Make me... So I'm going to do a spot hidden because I think that's actually what's going to make the most sense on this. Because uh, there isn't like a equivalent of like alertness from DG in this one. I have a 72 over 60. Okay. Well, you're driving the van. You might not be paying as much attention. How about uh, Coleman Marlin? Not an 81 over 80, so I might yeah. use a lot oh, yeah. on that one. You might not need to, though, because Holm, who for some reason seems to be really paranoid and looking out for things for some reason. <laughs> yeah, he got a 15 under 80 uh, for an extreme success. Is, is that the right name? Yes, it is an extreme success. Colm, uh, he pops a Mountain Dew. You notice well, he looks. that you saw it even before you got in, kind of like starting to turn the corner but you've noticed the entire ride back there has been a, an unmarked white sedan following you now, nobody look but there's a possible cop or possible murder stalker driving in a car following us the white one my money's on murder stalker there would be no reason for anyone to have called the cops on any of us that I know of. It, it's fine. We should just head on back to the old motor hotel uh, and see if this tail shakes off. Good eye, by the way. All right. Uh, so you start heading back. Uh, you don't have to make too many turns. You're pretty much just going down Route 2 pretty from there. But you see it does follow you onto Route 2. And it's... Now that uh, Combs pointed it out, you notice it's maybe going like 5 under the speed limit. It seems like it's trying to stay a little further back from you than normal. And as you pull into the uh, motor hotel, it then speeds back up to normal and just drives past. Can we see a license plate? Is that... that extreme success. Me. Yeah. Well, that was to yeah. see if he was following you. Uh, make me... That, be, that might be another spot in to see that. Uh, unless someone wants to do a drive well, auto. Um... <laughs> I would say I would make one more spot hidden because we we would probably all be now looking at the car, yeah. right? Like, because we're heading back, but yeah. like, actually, be a, a fun one to do. You can see it, like you're not trying to spot hidden, but let's see if you can like see it as it's going by and actually get all the numbers out. All oh, three of you make me a luck roll. I'm gonna be less less good than my spot it's, hidden. You, but. Luckily, none of you have been spending that for. I made it. <laughs> That is a 25 under 26. Awesome. <laughs> wow, Colm. Yeah. Wow. Um, he is really on alert for some reason. Yeah, it's, it's almost like something made him paranoid. Some incident. Yeah. 
but um, he has a two under seventy. How did I get so much luck? I don't think you. Uh, you've rolled high and you've never spent any. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna start do. burning luck the in the next ten episodes. <laughs> uh, what about Marlin? That's a thirty-nine over thirty-two. Okay, so two of you are able to get the plate of this car, and I totally have the plate of this car. Uh, you know what? You get N one nine. 45A which I'm definitely not writing down in my notes as well right now Nebraska plates I assume yes it is a Nebraska plate and it is a uh, Box Butte County plate is there any other distinguishing features of the car besides the tin uh, obviously like how it was driving but did it have like a stickers any scuff marks on it uh there's nothing on it. It is uh, like, what do they call it? Uh, not tuxedo, that's black. Oxford white, like the one that's like not metallic. It's just like kind of like a shiny matte white. What about antenna situation? Does it have like a normal amount of antennas? It, it has a normal antenna, but it is a Crown Victoria and it looks, oh. it looks like it's an undercover cop car. Like, you know... All of you guys have seen, like, where they're like, like, what is the point of not having a sticker on this? This is clearly Absolutely. a cop car type look. Yeah, it's got that look Literally no one it. has ever driven a Crown Vic that wasn't a cop. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> the same kind of thing where it's like just that spotless white, no bumper stickers, no nothing. The tint is a little darker than it needs to be. I mean, there's like a marvelous chaotic element out here of people who buy used Crown Vics at uh, auctions mm-hmm. and drive them like it is a gosh darn destruction derby still with like lights on them and stuff like the spotlights and stuff it's great my sister had an old boyfriend who had one that had like the cow catcher on the front and it had like the spotlight next to the driver's side mirror yeah no there there are a couple that have like things spray painted on them and whatnot that drive around out here and it's always like ah yes the mad max police kind of vibe um so yeah, the surplus trooper cars here all just wind up in demolition derbies. <laughs> there are a surprising number of demolition derbies in upstate New York. Okay, so you are able to get the plate number of that. It does not pull in, it just drives off, and you notice that it does like speed up to the actual speed limit after you pull in. Did we see a grate at all between the back and front with any of the light coming through? Uh... The tint is actually too dark to really make it out. You can't even see, like, a silhouette of the person driving it. When it was behind you, you could kind of see, and you f- it looked like it was either a man or, like, a woman with short hair, but you couldn't make out literally anything more than just, like, the silhouette through the windshield, and you can't see anything through the side windows. Yeah, sorry if that crushed your great expectations. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Obadiah... What are you doing waiting for everybody to come back? Yeah, I think since that was the only book that had a bookmark, he would have probably gone back to the articles. I know it's not a huge town, but uh, I'm sure he had time to read more than a single page of a book. Uh, Yeah, so you can say that you read the rest of the articles while waiting for it. That definitely would have been enough time to read a few. Uh, Okay, so to... uh, 
refresh our memories on the articles, there was an article about Cobsham's death. There was an article about Terence's death. There was an article about a, the Canadian film. There was an article about Terence's murders. There was an article about a missing teen. And there was an article about an unidentified body. Uh, yeah, read the ones that are plot relevant. Okay. Uh, let's go down the list. This is... Uh, actually, don't look at that one first. Let's do... Actually, I guess that would be the next one after that, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. Okay, yeah, that one's fine. <laughs> I was going to say, let's go chronological since you read the oldest one first, but mm. that is the next one. So, about Compton deceased? Yeah. Reclusive architect declared deceased, Hemingford, Nebraska. Retired eccentric architect Benjamin Compton has been declared legally dead three years after disappearing from his box beauty state by his widow, Bethany Morse Compton. Mrs. Morse Compton, who returned to her native England the year after her husband's disappearance, has not yet stated what will become of the estate a massive neo-Victorian manor designed and built by Compton himself, with an estimated value of over $30 million. Welcome to reading. I <laughs> say thank you. <laughs> And if someone else wants to be the voice in Jeff's head, if you don't feel like reading all of these, they can. <laughs> can and it does zoom yeah. in if you click on it, which is the nice thing about the uh, notes. <laughs> Sam could read this whole thing in his uh, newspaper harker voice. Not mad happy fed. I wouldn't get old for anybody. Murder in Hemingford by Steve Bachman. <laughs> Hemingford, Nebraska. Right? Yeah, that's yes. Nebraska. <laughs> Yesterday, the small farming community of Hemingford, Hemingford in Box Butte Country was shocked to its core. When one of them, I'm kidding, that's clearly shocked to its core. When one of their own, when apparently yeah, definitely went there mad, is not a typo in that. <laughs> uh, when one of their own went apparently went mad with deadly results. James Terrence, age 51, a farmer, war veteran, volunteer fireman, and the man held in high regard in his small community of less than a thousand souls, murdered his wife Shelley, age 45, and their son Lloyd, age 15. The town sheriff was called out to Severn County Estate, where the Terrences resided as caretakers in the early morning after neighbors heard multiple gunshots coming from the direction of the property. By the time Sheriff Norris made it out to the residence, both mother and child were dead, and according to officials, James had mutilated the bodies after their deaths, cutting them open and removing much of their insides. According to Sheriff Norris, Mr. Terrence was in the front yard when I pulled up. He was splattered with blood, babbling with tears running down his face. He was digging at the ground with his bare hands, cursing at it, and next to him was his pump shotgun. I approached carefully and asked him what had happened, but all he would say was, they got to us. Somehow, I don't know when, but they were inside them. My Shelley and my boy, they're inside me too. I apprehended Mr. Terrence without incident, and once my deputy arrived, I inspected the house and found Mrs. Terrence and her son in their bedrooms in a horrible state. There were several empty shells on the floor, and it was a plain that Mr. Terrence had butchered their bodies after their death. Mr. Terrence is now in county jail awaiting judgment. Arraignment. <laughs> awaiting arraignment. Death Row Inmate Dies Two Days After Conviction By Stephen Bachman Creative Rendition By Cyrus Montgomery II Peterman Lincoln, Nebraska James Terrence, who was convicted two days ago of the brutal slayings of his wife and son late last month in their Hemingford home, 
was found dead in his cell at Nebraska State Penitentiary early this morning. An official cause of death is pending, but according to preliminary reports, it's believed that Terrence, aged 51, committed suicide through ingesting some sort of chemical agent. Prison staff, speaking on the condition of anonymity, say that despite seemingly being in perfect health last night upon finding his body, it looked like he had been dead for weeks. Said another prison source, I ain't never seen anything like it. What he did to himself, it had to hurt. If anyone deserved it, it was that SOB. And I don't mean salty old biscuit. And then there's this vid this this picture of Terrence at his arraignment. He looks like a like a real rough tater. Alright. Next we have uh, this one. Unidentified body found. Mysterious circumstances abound. By Mark Neiman. Surprisingly with Stevie Bachman not around this time. <laughs> he already won his Pulitzer. He's out of this crap town. He was joining a Turner overdrive. Hemingford, Nebraska. Last night, the body of an as-yet unidentified man was found in a cornfield in the small town of Hemingford, with no clue as to how the man came to be where he was discovered. The closest building was a farmhouse on Campbell Road that had been abandoned for well over a decade. Locals have begun to be questioned, but so far no one has reported anyone missing. Police claim they are not ruling anything out, but they say said that the case does not look to be one of foul play. One person close to the case, this is highlighted, who wanted to remain an anonymous said, there's no way a man could do that to another man. Another source at the coroner's office said that it was evident that the body wasn't dead long, but that it was heavily damaged and, quote, most of its insides just gone. To me, it looked like a bear or something got a hold of the poor fellow. When asked about the possibility of an animal attack, Hemingford police declined to comment on the record. Written below this, Our N? What does he know? No being underlined. Yeah, and uh, Obadiah would recognize that as the same handwriting that everyone's pretty sure is Holly's, that's been on a few of the other things. I'll read this one since everybody else took a turn reading one. No Horrors for Local Haunted House on April 20th, 2006 by Susan Marsh. In case you missed it, our very old Hemingford was all set to be the site of a horror movie made by a production house from Canada called Eight Towers Films. The star of the show, the long-rumored-to-be-haunted Severn County Estate. According to film producer Joseph Nickel, we had heard about the tragic story behind Mr. Terrence, what he did to his family and his mysterious death in prison, combined with some of the legends that have been in Hemingford for years, and thought it would make a great setting for a modestly budgeted, direct-to-DVD horror film shot in the found-footed style. So we contacted the mayor and Miss Fairbanks, the realtor who oversees the estate, and we thought everything was a go. So we came down to Van from Vancouver to set things up on this end. However, some vocal locals also learned of a movie being made about our infamous Cobsham Horror House and petitioned the city council to revoke the filming permits needed by the Canadian company to shoot here. The reasoning being that a bloody horror movie was the wrong kind of image 
for the city. Proponents of the movie cited the boon to local businesses that hosting a film crew would bring to Hemingford. But yesterday, the city council voted 3-2 to two against letting the movie be shot here. Said Mr. Nickel, Naturally, we're upset and confused by the ruling. We never intended to, to exploit your town or any of its tragedies, but I guess what's done is done, and we'll have to do another haunted house story in some other town that wants us. And then there is one left, which this appears to be the most recent. And this one, interestingly enough, unlike the rest, appears to be like an actual torn out newspaper, like piece of a newspaper. Hemingford Teen Still Missing by Helen Shane Hemingford, Nebraska It has been four days since the parents of 15-year-old Amanda Johnson reported her missing after she failed to come home from a bonfire party at a friend's house. On Friday, a group of Amanda's classmates gathered to celebrate the end of another school year, a tradition followed by many, many Hemingford teens for years. The party was held behind the barn of a farm owned by the family of one of the high school students, but it has become apparent that it wasn't supervised, and that underage drinking and drug use may have been involved. It has also become known that a group of kids then partook of another Hemingford tradition, scaring themselves by daring each other to enter the long-abandoned Cobsham Horror House. The house actually officially known as Seven County Estate is a local haunted house built by famous architect Benjamin Cobsham before his mysterious disappearance. The house was later the scene of the notorious Cobsham Butchers where caretaker James Terrence murdered his wife and son in 1968. According to one 17-year-old, a bunch of us walked into the Cobsham house and then one by one, we had to go in alone, find something, and bring it out as proof. Well, I remember Amanda going into the house, and I think she came back out, but I'm not sure. A lot of us were kind of drunk by then. Both state and local police searched the Cobsham house and the surrounding cornfields, but reported no sign of the missing girl. Chief Bannerman of the Hemingford Police Department issued a brief statement. We are treating this as a missing persons case. There is no evidence that the girl was abducted, nor are we working under the assumption that she ran away. Right now, all we know is that Ms. Johnson is missing. Right, can I imagine that when you're back, you guys are all going to share your various bits of information with each other? Momsham Widow is still alive. And, and I'm going to get her number from the mayor. I think we need to call her. Did we get her her number from the real estate office, or the mayor had said uh, the mayor had like recommended that if the information she has is enough to date, the real estate office would definitely have up to date info because they're actively dealing with her. Yeah, so someone with a higher fast talk can probably get that. We could ask Jeeves. Yeah, you could try to look it up online. Yeah, um, that is true. I mean, heck, this is the year that anybody over the age of 13 with an email address could use Facebook. 2006. Mm -hmm. This this day in web history, or year, 
Um, so yeah, you know what? I don't have a great computer use, but if anybody does, Colm's done some hacking in his day. Go by the library and get onto the old internet. Yes, I will say I did mention Fort, and I'm glad you mentioned that. That the rooms, unfortunately, in the mm. Hemingford home do not have internet access in them, <laughs> so yeah, even though you guys have laptops. We all pile into the van and go to the friendly library. I did get a 56 under 70, if that, on white pages or something along those lines. Okay, with that, uh, you are actually able to find, you aren't able to find a phone number, but you are able to find an address and a bit of other information about a specifically, and part of it is, like, maybe when you first type in Bethany Cobsham, you get a lot more hits, but when you do Morse Cobsham, which several of the articles used, it narrows it down. And you do see that there is a woman currently living in Severn County, in England, under that name. And you see, you do see one of the things does have a picture of her. And this is Bethany. She's got, you think this might be a bit of an older picture because even though she was younger than him, she's still not young now, but uh, got red hair starting to gray, some wrinkles, blue eyes. Picture looks like she's maybe in her 50s. And you see that it's attached to an article basically talking about her legal mess over the house, similar to what you've heard from the mayor and the realty agent. And it gives, like I said, it gives an address, but there is not a phone number. Well, that settles it. If it took us so long to get out of a van, how long will it take us to get out of a plane? We're going to England. We're going to fly to England. Van wild. We're going to drive to England. <laughs> yeah, you're going to get in the van and drive to England. Cock the wheels and forward the Atlantic. <laughs> Alright, so we're still waiting on that number. We didn't have any success on checking that out. So it seems like things we might want to know a little bit more about, since we do have Jeeves here and all. Um, if there's anything else we could learn about those, uh, I would deem just out of respect, unpronounceable Arapaho myths or legends that you learned about, my friend, or perhaps, uh, Oh, I mean, anything else about that estate, that house, um, something about the, the Roman coming over and the gates and the blood trap spiral connecting to something old that says something to me, but I don't know what. It's not going to be me. And if, if Combs had another terminal and we're double dipping, that's also totally valid. Or if one of you can't find it and the other one goes, oh no, you got to put this into... I think uh, just because I want to, I'm going to spend, if I spend 8 luck, that would make it a 35 under 70, which would be a hard success, right? Mm -hmm. Let's do it. This feels important considering people have been scooped out. That's bleh. 
usually insides are supposed to stay inside. Um, with a hard success, you find something kind of interesting. So, what you find as far as the Arapaho legends are pretty much the same as what was in that book. But what you do find that's interesting is you find a very similar Celtic legend. Like, so similar that it almost shocks you. Like, the same thing, talking about rituals, secret doors under the earth, and some kind of, only in theirs they call it a demon that lives under the ground and will give you power, but you have to swear yourself to it. Celtic, like, p potentially near the Brichester region, who could say? Could be. It's specific, it doesn't get much more into it than just it being something from Celtic mythology. It doesn't get into what specific area of the British Isles it's from. Well, all signs are indicating that there may be more to these myths and legends than simply myths. And he's an elaborate, so he's, you know, saying that quieter, but it wouldn't translate well over radio. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I feel all roads lead to the house, of course, but I wish that we would get an opportunity to try to speak with, with Bethany. Uh, I think she would have a unique uh, inside before perhaps proceeding blindly. That said, still don't know the location, status, or well-being of our friend Miss Holly. You know, you being the Chapman fellow that you are, uh, I did make some kind of acquaintance with, uh, I did not ask her surname, but I assume it's Fairbanks at the real estate office. Oh, Rebecca. Uh, if you wanted to call her, and yes, yes, Rebecca was her first name. If you wanted to try some of that good southern hospitality charm that I apparently do not have on her, see if we can get that number a little bit earlier, that might be something we could try. Now, I will say, we did not leave on good terms. However, it is possible that since you are a different human person and better at fast talking, she would talk to you. Well, I could make a phone call, and I could call Osiris, or perhaps as a chop from across the pond. Well, I, I tried to audition a couple times, I never really got it, but I like the fancy accent. I mean, if this phone number is all we're waiting for, let's, I say let's give it a try. If nothing else, we still have the fallback of uh, your mayor friend. <laughs> all right so yeah uh so you can like look up the phone number to the real estate office you're at the, the library already can look that up and call and try to bluff her with your british voice star six seven first to mask my number and then i call yeah of course <clears throat> and it uh you see that there's two numbers. There's like an office number and a cell number. You try the office number first. It goes eventually to voicemail after several rings. And then when you try the cell number, picks up on the second ring. Hello? Hello and good day. My name is Borden Wellington. 
over at Wellington Financial Holdings in London, England. How are you? And you, there's like a pause at the other end, and she says, Wellington. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, you might have the wrong number. This is Rebecca Fairbanks with Casa Grande Realty. Oh, and you are the barrister on pre- uh, premises, I presume? Yes. What? This is a sport of good luck. Uh, just a, a right biscuit for all of us. And so I'm actually trying to reach the estate of Bethany Morse-Copsham. We've come to believe that there's a semblance of a will that could be scrapped together by his husband's journals. Now, granted, th- this is a, a bit of an outside um, theory, um, but if you pardon, I'm not trying to butter my own biscuit, as it were, but it's, uh, I think it's something that could sort this whole mess up. Now, here's the problem. Intern has basically made a mock of uh, my Rolodex, which I rely on, because it's 2006, and, um, I just, I can't reach Bethany. I apparently have an old number. Um, is there a possibility that you could share that number with me, and perhaps I could just sort this whole thing out for you in a gif? What would you like me to roll? <laughs> roll me a fast talk. Alrighty. That is a 66 under 75. Right. There's another long pause after you're done talking before she answers back. And she says, I understand completely. Uh, unfortunately, Miss Cobsham is not one to take unsolicited calls, even ones that, as you claim, could be helpful to her situation. So if you'll just leave me with your number, I can call her and tell her about it and see if she'll be willing to call you back. Now, I I understand discretion, darling. Uh, that is certainly the, the mum's the word, as we say, across the pond. But, uh, listen, we have um, a saying over here that's quite common which is uh if <laughs> you butter <laughs> keep digging yeah. say it louder for our english listeners to hear <laughs> so uh if you butter my biscuit, I'll butter yours. Now, um, I'm sure there's a much more uh, polite way to put it in American parlance, but what I'm looking for here is a relatively large payday for myself, I'll admit. There is a commission that any respectable barrister, as you understand yourself, could command in a situation such as this. This is my motivation. Now, I can make this go away. 
I just need your help. I need this number. It's one call. If, I mean, listen, if the old bird is as tough as you say, maybe she'll hang up on me and it's the last you hear. Vol, Mr. Wellington. But perhaps, perhaps one day you'll stand in there, right, Rebecca, and you get this bad envelope <laughs> from your postman. Inside is unspendable British pounds. No, inside is just my appreciation. So one day, Rebecca, you're opening up your shop, that charming little orange hood, and uh, you receive an envelope, and it's filled with my appreciation, and it's all gone away. How does that sound? I think it sounds like you just need to give me your number. Or I can hang up. What about a roll? Another roll? Uh, <laughs> what about it? Um, uh, for reasons no. that will be hilarious later, another roll is not going to work. Okay, so I um, I do I, I give her a fake number. <laughs> it's uh, uh, f f f five three zero oh, nine eight six. <laughs> Devin. What, what was that second to last? <laughs> <laughs> well, he have got your number. <laughs> but right now, it just hangs up. Uh, roll me... Oh, no mutual biscuit buttering uh, for her. Do you have uh, psychology, Cyrus? Yes, I do. Roll yes, me a I psychology. <laughs> All right. Roll a 25 under 60. Okay. That's a hard success. That's a hard success. You don't think she bought it for a second. You oh, could tell no. from something in the way she was talking back to you after you first... You don't think she bought it at all, even with your uh, regular success on your fast talk. Well, my friends, I do not think that she took a slice of the Wellington. I'm gonna be honest. Now, I, I get that I probably should have understood about 13 auditions with no callback, that this was not my, I was not destined to do fantastic English accents with like hunks like Tom Hardy. So, um, well, I biffed it. Gotta hope the mayor comes through. We could break into the real estate office, provided none of the doors are locked. Is stunning eruption of feet free inside of this? Can Paul eventually just start? Yeah, do you know, yeah. I don't know what, which, which uh, free archetype did you take? We could just drive the van straight through the front door yes. and yeah, then run one. out, grab the files and the Rolodex, run back in. Just take a straight up heel turn and start terrorizing this spot. <laughs> Still, my friends, I feel there is only one other place that we could visit prior to the Copsham House. And that's the house that's near the Copsham House with the names that were not yet crossed off. I wonder, considering you've had previous conversations with Anne via text message, Holly's handwriting on this article wonders just what he might know 
if there's more than he was willing to divulge in that interview or not. So, so you're saying I should send a you up text message to him? Well, I suppose uh, maybe you up for further conversation. I mean, isn't that what that means? I send that a lot. Hoping that is it. <laughs> yes, you up for platonic extended conversation that borders on derogation from my journalistic aspirations. Yeah. I mean you have you do have the number in your phone, so you could text him back. Now, how would we feel about texting en route, that's French, you see, uh, to this house near the Cobsham house? Yes. Really slaughter two people and remove their insides with one stone, if you will. <laughs> I will not. Interesting analogy. But yeah, I, I say we I say we carry ourselves out there and we send a text to N. Here's what I'm thinking. N. We have developed an excellent obfuscation technology. And we are thinking your on-premise presence as we continue to investigate, will give us a deep and nuanced view. Will you accompany us? Sincerely, Cyrus Montgomery II. I do sign all of my texts, yeah. by the way. So if you ever get a text from me, it's like from Cyrus or like <laughs> dash Cyrus or dash C for brevity. Mm -hmm. Uh. I assume Holly never responded to the you up that we sent her. <laughs> uh, no, you have not heard anything back from Holly. So you text that out, and as you're driving a few minutes later, you get one back, and it just says, What happened yesterday? with two question marks. And after that, there's just a dash and then N. Ah, trouble writes back what kind of trouble question mark why did you go to the house and the house is in all caps and again two question marks after this one looks around says holds it up two ideas here one is honest can't remember let's touch base second one is don't have anything from it, or nothing good came from it. And uh, it seems a little bit more ominous, but they also seem to be vague and ominous as well, so perhaps that's the vibe. Uh, some untold cosmic horror has erased our memories of the events. We fled in terror in the van and crashed and nearly died. Dash. Cyrus Montgomery the <laughs> second. <laughs> Can't explain over text. All okay, but Holly missing. Cyrus Montgomery And this time it's a little longer before there's a reply. And when it comes it just says if she's missing, she's gone. I warned you. And that's it. And we meet. Well, that seems pretty definitive. So, um, anybody need anything from their rooms, or should we just 
start driving. I'll pick up my gun, uh, just so I don't leave that there. Uh, I am licensed. <laughs> yes. Oh. I'm going to take some extra antidepressants and Jim Beam. Again, I'm reminding people don't do that in real life. I am a sad, sad sack of a man in this game. Could Anne be Benjamin Compshire? There is an Anne in his name. There's, there's two, my friend. No, I was just saying it's, it's present. Justice Corncob. Just... <laughs> Yeah, you gotta stop messing with that man. <laughs> gotta let it scab over. It's the natural healing process. Uh, so as you are texting him and driving, you do eventually make it to this farmhouse. It actually looks fairly similar to the. Oh, actually, no. In the meantime, you would pass by. I completely forgot. You have to drive past the Cobsham house. So you see, uh, you pass by the Mason house. You pass by where you guys crashed. And a little further up the road, you pass by. You see, off in the distance, you see like a dirt, wide dirt lane leading off and you can see over the corn the top two stories of and I don't think I've shared the picture of this yet oh. yeah. Spooky. you see this big like hulking Victorian style manor house but it's just ugly it's big it's blocky it looks like part of the roof might have actually caved in at some point of the third story uh it's covered in vines and weeds it looks really awful and neglected and i imagine if you're driving to plainsboro's you just kind of see it off to the side and everybody as you drive past uh First, give me a. Uh, it is going to eventually be a gripple, but I want to see if you even notice it while you're driving. So, everybody, give me. You know what? Let's do luck again to see if you happen to be looking out the window in the right direction at the time as you're driving past. Nope. 66. So, it's under my current luck Yeah, you total. gotta be under your current total. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so it's a 12 under 32 for the listeners. 46 under 70. Alright, and uh, so what did Marlin get? Uh, 44 over 32. Okay, so unfortunately, uh, Marlin and Cyrus happen to be looking out the window as you drive past this. I'm not sure how exactly that works, because I think only one of you would be in the front of the van where the window is, but maybe you see it through the windshield. And both of you need to make me a grip roll. Both of us who both of you that are failed. looking yeah. in the right. Oh, no. Yeah, no, I fail. It's a 64 over 29. 
is a 76 over 55. All right. Ooh, that was a tough roll on the second one. So, uh, so Cyrus, you're going to take two points of grip damage. And Marlin, you're going to take three. Well, Marlin hadn't taken much yet. Uh, and Obadiah's just got his eyes on the road like a responsible driver. Adding that to something that probably doesn't matter for anything. Uh, so yeah, the two of you happen to catch a glimpse of it as you drive by, and it just both of you just... It's hard to even explain what happened. Like, just you feel this sheer terror as you see this. And in fact, uh... Well, nah, neither would be failed by enough of that. As you say, make, make, make like a power pull to try to not, uh... Like, yank open the door of the car, but I don't think you... Was quite that bad, but yeah, it definitely upsets you when you see it. Even though, again, it's just like a flash because you're going like 45, 50 down this road. Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, Marlin does that like white knuckle grip on the door handle, or at the nearest thing yeah. to him. And eventually, uh, a couple more miles down the road. Again, not quite as far as you guys had to walk when you're going the other way, but still a bit of a distance from it. You come to another farmhouse, and this one looks perfectly normal. It's a nice two-story farmhouse, whitewashed, has a little uh, uh, like wood with the barbed wire fence kind of around part of it, uh, with a picket fence around the other half. Uh, you see a couple of chickens walking around in the barbed wire area, and you actually do see a woman outside. It looks like she's hanging laundry. And you see uh, this woman uh, a little on the heavy side, but pleasant looking. Kind of shoulder length curly hair. And uh, as you imagine you pull into the uh, drive leading up to the house. It's got another one of those dirt drives like the other ones had. She kind of smiles and gives you a wave. And she starts walking up. She opens the gate and starts walking towards your van. We should be honest with her, right? Uh, okay, good, 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 good. Yeah. Yes, I believe that's wise. <laughs> no more Lord Wellington. Sadly. <laughs> Rip. Rip, my guy. <laughs> Trying to remember his speech mannerisms while also be his, you're right, accentception is too hard. So. Um, it was impressive, though. A webby, to be sure. <laughs> well, hello, ma'am. Uh, hello. Now, I'm going to take a guess. You are Mr. Montgomery, aren't you? Well, guilty as charged will not misstate. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, of course, ma'am. Uh, now, now uh, you have me at a bit of a disadvantage, uh, and you all. I am Audra Plainsboro. We, we spoke, you and I, my husband, spoke on the telephone a few days ago. Uh, you were coming today to interview us. 
and it's that musical lil i should have known i apologize i mean i, I wasn't sure if you were perhaps a daughter i just uh, <laughs> you know this this bright light and that um <clears throat> fantastic um, hair you have <laughs> he bleeds slightly <laughs> into his yeah. eye it's like and, and i think she'll say like even joke without the joking like you do have a wrapped up head wound she will say are, are you all right you, i notice looks like you got a bandage on your head don't you worry ma'am there is a medicinal corn cob <laughs> under this bandage that is doing most of the necessary holistic work in its own way it is amazing what you can do with corn little corn joke between you and i now, uh, we got into a bit of a kerfuffle. Um, yeah, no, I, so I'll admit, we got into a bit of a fender bender. Uh, I'll say it in front of God and my mama that uh, sober, sober as the day I was born, but we were just driving tired, miss, and, 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 and let this be a, a good, um, these newfangled seatbelts, they work. <laughs> yeah, <how old laughs> Cyrus. Uh, but Chilla looks a little concerned, and she says, "Oh well, I'm I'm glad you're okay then, uh, and I'm glad you still decided to come for the interview. But if you're injured, we can always put this off for another day." No, 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 ma'am. Um, you know, uh, uh, frat waits for no finder yes book <laughs> gives a business card that says that along the bottom cyrus montgomery the second i've been really waiting for the the ability to use these but anyway i'm i apologize uh and he, the this is my illustrious companions and, and and if we could get out of the van shortly so we could end this scene um because i'm talking a lot and i would really love for you to converse with my friends well Yes, of course. Uh, so, I understand from what you said before, you you want to talk about... She kind of lowers her voice a little bit. The whorehouse. Yes, yes, we do. And and, and now, the kind of interview we're going to do, we can edit things later. Um, I will narrate because I am, of course, the, the voice, but that can happen later. So we're going to have a kind of free and open conversation you, me, and the rest of our compatriots, and I will just dub over their voices later with my own dulcet tones. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, please feel free to yeah. also interview her. Well, hello, uh, with permission from my colleague here. Hi, uh, Marlon. Uh, nice to meet you, ma'am. Yeah. Tips his hat, because that's what you do with hats. Uh, I guess just to start off, how long have you lived here? Well, first off, pleasure to meet you, Marlon. Uh, uh, William and I have lived here. We bought this house the year after we got married. It was uh, 1965. If I could do math faster, I would make a joke out of that and assume some sort of double-digit number, but I cannot. So, 1965 it was. All right. And, and how has your time been here, living? Well generally speaking you know it's a uh, I'm not usually one for believing in all that stuff uh, but it 
there's been some weird, strange things there. Obviously, the thing with that Terrence fellow, uh, I don't know if you heard William was actually the, uh, he was the one who called the police that night. And, uh, horrible thing what happened, but, well, that, and then, obviously, we always have the kids all breaking in, but even when that isn't going on, sometimes there's noises, seen lights over there sometimes, uh, and there's, it's been cars, uh, there, and then they leave, but, I mean, no one, from what I understand, no one owns the place. I don't know why people are going in and out. How many people? How, uh, it, groups of people or just, you know, oh. smaller folks like us? Are there, are there kids driving up to the house to visit it, or are you, th are you implying that someone else comes through just to visit the house? I mean, some of them might be kids, some might be uh, people in town, but you rarely see the same one twice, uh, though, and she stops and thinks for a second. One of the times I saw two cars, and another time just one, but it was the same, was some kind of little gold one, two doors, I don't know, I'm not up to date on, uh, what they make now, but I know I've seen that one twice. The rest, never more than once. You saw this gold door car twice? Yes, that's right, sir. Sorry, when when was this last time? Uh, first time maybe three, four years ago. It was, there was another one with it. I can't rightly tell you what the other one looked like now, but second time I saw it was maybe a year or two later. Again, parked by itself. Um, we have to pass the house anytime we want to go into town. And, well, William's a bit of an early riser, and especially when we have to go to a doctor or blood or anything like that, we like to get in early, so there are times we drive past five, six o'clock in the morning, and that's when we see cars there, and they're usually gone by the time we come back later in the day. So, like I said, it could just be kids, though. Most of the kids coming in are teens. They some drive, obviously, but I don't know. I just don't think it's kids. Now, have we, in our wanderings through town in the last day, seen a, a two-door two gold car? You have not. The only car that you've seen that stood out to you, it was the white uh, sedan what? that was following you. Where is William? Oh, he's inside. Do you want me to go get him? I... Where is my brain at? You wanted to interview both of us. I can go get him. And she will actually go to the doorway and call out. And where is... I do have a for him. Here is William. You see an older bearded man come out uh, wearing kind of like a light-colored button-down shirt. Has glasses. And he comes out. He goes... Uh, are we doing the interview? I'm so sorry. I thought... I thought Mr. Montgomery had said it wasn't until 3 o'clock. I'm... I must have lost track of time or misheard. Oh, 
Hollywood time, I apologize. It's hard to get my head all, um, you know, um, anyway, just the corn cob. You know, an interview is fine, but I'd like to think about this as you have invited us into your home. This is a conversation between friends, so consider my friends to be your friends. And uh, let's sit down and have a, let's, let's, let's talk a spell. Perhaps we could impose upon your poultry with a cold drink. Yes, that that's perfectly fine. Uh, Audrey, how about you go get some iced tea out of the fridge? And he will lead you up to the porches. He steps inside, and they have like a little wraparound porch. There's uh, a pair of rockers, and he uh, pulls over uh, a pair of like little uh, what do you call like futons. And he says, "We only have the two chairs, but uh, if any of you want to sit on these, uh, please feel free." Now we were just chatting with your wife now, but uh. We have a couple questions for you, too, uh, if you're comfortable answering while she's away fetching us them beverages. Uh, you've lived here for some time now, it sounds like. Have you ever been to the Cobsham house? Uh, well, we, the wife and I, drive past it quite a bit. Uh, when uh, we moved in uh, after Cobsham himself left, uh, but when... Jack, or James, uh, technically his name James, everybody called him Jack. When he moved in to start taking care of the place, I would occasionally go over to talk with him or his wife, uh, Shelly, lovely lady. Uh, but I didn't much like the place. It was, I don't know, just something about it. On top of being dog ugly, it was just, it had this feel about it. I think... It's the kind of thing, even if Jack didn't do what he did, I feel like the place would have got a reputation. Just something not right about it. And I'm sorry to ask this, but you you called the police uh, about Terrence and them. You you heard the the shots. And he's kind of hangs his head a little, and he says, "Yes, uh, I don't like to think about it. It was." I mean, it was um, almost 40 years ago, but it was still, it's still something that's very uh, hard in my memory. Uh, That poor boy, he was almost ready to graduate from high school. It, it was not a good thing. and I still, to this day, can't imagine what on earth came over Jack that he did that. Did you notice any sort of a a change in... Jack's behavior um, beforehand, I understand it's been a long time, but was there any sort of clue that something was wrong before it all happened? He... Well, I mean, I guess I I agreed to the interview. Uh, Thought it'd be more about uh, if we saw any ghosts or anything, but I guess it is something to do with the house. Uh, Something I haven't talked about in a long time, but he did seem odd the last time I saw him. He uh, he asked me about weather stripping. Uh, you know, when you have to seal up a door so that bugs and snakes and such can't get in. Uh, Jack, bless his heart, he was a good man, but he was never very handy 
which was always why it was kind of funny that he took over such a uh, position as being caretaker of uh, this kind of house, but he basically took it because no one else wanted to, and he was, or at least I thought he was, a good man. Uh, but my guess is there was issues with drafts or bugs getting in or something. He asked about it, but that wasn't that out of the ordinary, but he asked also if I knew anything about stone masonry, which I don't, but it was an odd question because as far as I know, that house ain't made of stone. A basement to that house. Uh, I imagine there has to be. Most of the houses here have basements, or at least storm cellars. Uh, you ever see it? No. Uh, as far as I know, there's nothing leading to it on the outside. It's got to be inside. A basement, I guess, would be stone, but maybe you had a leak down there? Didn't we say the house was stone because he built it with the rocks from... We assume like the foundation probably is. Yeah. yeah. That was the transplanted foundation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also don't know about stone masonry <laughs> or house building. Yeah. No, same. Which is embarrassing because I... Yeah, it said he... He paid to have like the... It was a Roman ruin. Yeah, the ruin, like the... Basically the floor of like an old Roman ruin. Oh, I apologize. We did not mean to pick at a wound open up old scars. Perhaps we should uh, direct this in in the sort of um, manner that you were expecting and we are interested in about, like you said, happenings, haunts, and spooks and sounds. Um, but, but I'm just like, if anybody wants to pick up my vibe, yeah. it's like, let's not make this man uh, too uncomfortable. Well, and I will say, uh, as you ask that, uh, you hear a voice said, yeah, tell him about the light. And, uh, Aubrey comes back out with a tray with, uh, several iced teas on it and starts passing them out. And he says, oh, yeah, uh, there have been, uh, sometimes there's these weird lights coming from inside this place. It almost, it reminds me of like a lightning strike, but it comes out the windows. I was like, if you don't mind, can you come inside for a moment and he'll bring anyone that wants to come in inside the house and he walks upstairs and they go to one of the side rooms it's like set up as like a sewing room and he points out the window and he says if you look out that way you can actually see it off it's about a mile and a half away uh and as he points this out i'd like the other two of you do did not roll grip to now roll grip seeing the house in the distance Oh, good. Ooh. Oh, oh no. Oh, no. I think Obadiah's head explodes. <laughs> um, so, 88 over um, 44, I believe, for calm. And uh, 99 over 36 <laughs> for Obadiah, the late Obadiah Madison. <laughs> Obadiah, that did get you a bigger die, but it didn't roll enough to matter. Uh... So, Calm, you're going to take two points of grip damage. And Obadiah, you're going to take three. So, when she talks about lightning, could Obadiah 
ponder and I could roll an occult? Uh, yeah, if you have anything, yeah, can roll an occult and see if that sounds like something you've heard of. Uh, <laughs> no. And if anybody else has a decent occult and wants to roll it, they can. Well, I, I could spend try. 60 luck. <laughs> Colm could do it. He could spend 60 luck. <laughs> I probably need more than that. I mean, it doesn't uh, hurt to roll. Oof. 52 under 60. I would need 94 luck to pass that roll. I would need 43. Oh, what 44. did you say? What did you say you got, um, Izzy? 52 under 60. I need. Wait, eight. under 60? That's under 60. 52 is under yeah, 60. Yeah, so you yeah, passed. So you, just, you yeah. did it. You're aiming for under. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Under yeah, Under is right. good. That's how you play that game. As <laughs> far as occult goes, you've heard of, like, uh, phenomena like ball lightning and stuff like that, that you think this could maybe sound like something like that, but you're not. 100% sure, because again, that's it's unexplained phenomena. Like that, you've definitely heard of things like that, though. Like it's something that you've come across in researching occult, which you figure maybe you know this because you did that for part of getting ready for this job. Uh, by any means, are you able to tell just where this light is coming from? Does it look? the same sort of brightness throughout the house or can you maybe tell it's coming from the top floor or say a bottom floor perhaps a basement uh, type light shining up through the floorboards as it were. I'd say it's always kind of uniform uh, hell of a light show last night just last night you say yeah what time did that start you think uh, I mean well it actually might have even been early morning, uh, maybe 1, 1 a.m., a little later. The thing is, it actually woke me up, so I don't know how many... Usually, it's one big flash, and occasionally, like I said, I'll see it if I'm up early and it's doing it. This one, I saw three these flashes, maybe 30 seconds apart. Never seen that. And did any noise accompany that that you could hear? No. No sound at all. There never is. Uh, it was just the flashes you saw? You saw three of them after waking up, or one of the flashes woke you up, and then you saw three? I think there might have been four. At least, because I think that's what woke me up, but it, it could have been even more than that. It could have taken a few of them to get through my sleep. Yes, and then, and then as my friend said, did you see any cars last night? Well, uh, the missus and I only usually see cars if we're driving into town. We can't, we can see part of the house from here, but we can't see the drive or anything like that. Well, that's all the questions <laughs> I got. It might not be all the questions he got. I think, like, since catching sight of the Cobsham house over the corn, Colma has been kind of staring at it and, like, kind of absent from the conversation but this idea of three or four flashes brings him back and um, he kind of comes back over to the group and he goes um, well are we um, 
Do you know how long these flashes of light have been going on? Have it, have they always been there periodically the whole time you've lived there? Is it is it a new thing? Is uh, well, I want to say first time saw it. And he looks to his wife. Seventy three. She was seventy four, maybe. Yeah, seventy three, seventy four. Uh few years after uh, after Terrence uh, next time I saw it was maybe a couple years after that uh, saw a couple in the 80s uh, probably at least once or twice a year since 91 or 92 how does that sync up with the audio recording of the interview uh, it does kind of match up with it, not quite as, but just in the sense that they are getting, seem to be more frequent as time goes on. And you imagine, like, they're not seeing every time that there is a flash or anything, it's just the ones they happen to notice. But even so, they're saying, like, they don't remember anything from the time 65 up until 73, and then maybe one a year, one every couple years, and then all of a sudden one or two every year for like the last decade and that's the same as the pattern of disappearances like accelerating and accelerating the acceleration seems similar where the disappearances i talked about there were some while cobsham was there but not many none while terence was there and then after his thing they started up again you ever meet bethany morse cobsham no uh the Cobson's left her, I guess he died or whatever happened to him, but that happened before we moved here. Uh, and I don't know if she's ever been back to the place. I know when Jack got put in charge of it, it was some kind of trust that was in. They had some kind of legal trouble between her and the, her and the county or the state. I never really understood that much. I don't think Jack understood that much of it. He just, there was a job to do and no one else wanted to do it, so he took it on. Have you heard any of the rumors of the, the kids around town? I, I, you know, they, they break into the house, but have you heard any rumors of things they've taken from it? Just that part of proving you went in, you have to take something out, uh, I'm amazed there's anything still in that place after this many years. Usually, a couple of times we've seen kids skulking around there on our drives. Uh, once I saw a kid holding looked like maybe some kind of old lamp or something. Scared the Lord right out of him when we drove by. Whatever it was, I saw him drop it. Ran off. I imagine most of them probably take something smaller, though... Maybe there wasn't anything smaller left by then. Unrelated question. Is there a good hardware store in town? Uh, I mean, there's a hardware store in town. Uh, the only one, so it doesn't matter whether or not it's good. Oh, and I guess if we have a, a map of the town, I'm just sort of asked to yeah. mark where the hardware store is. Yeah. Yeah, and it'll mark the Hemingford hardware on your map. 
I think that's all the questions Colm has. This has been real helpful. Thank you, ma'am, Matt, sir. Does anyone else have questions we want to ask our fine compatriots here? I unfortunately must make a quick phone call, but could, could we potentially reach out in the future if we have more questions? Your cooperation is much appreciated. Oh, yes, of course. Uh, your program sounds very interesting. Uh, not quite what the uh, wife and I like to watch, but of course, if you have any other questions, uh, you already have our number. Uh, we have yours from you calling us. Uh, that that dial back is amazing. We are living in the future. Surely we are. <laughs> so, as we're walking to the van, Cyrus would call the police department. Okay. And you call and a voice answers Hemingford City Police Department. This is Sergeant Wynn, what can I help you with? Good day, Sergeant Wynn. This is Cyrus Montgomery II for Bannerman. Are you sure? Listen, Wynn, if, if I, I could defer to your better judgment here. All I'm saying is, in the, the cold light of the day, uh, my, my compatriots and I have been uncovering details that relate to the unfortunate accident that we were in and one of those details is a two-door gold vehicle I, I i can defer like i said to your judgment your, your prudence about not bothering your chief but listen if that that bit of information could get us out of your hair if that that car perhaps rattles any peanuts Uh, and just says on the other line and the, at the other end like I said in the text drop it and hangs up and I'm going to bed <laughs> good night night Jarrell good night Jarrell wow. good night Jarrell Wasn't me this time. Go, go for it. I'm not saying real things. Yeah. Sam's revenge. Uh, I'm not talking. Yeah. Hello. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This is solid. It's fine. We need bloopers. Welcome back to. <laughs>
<laughs> the only actual we just had Jeff host podcast one of these, if with, noticed. with the bloopers. Well, what if we all said it at the same time? Yeah. That would be horrific. Uh, yeah. Uh, hello. Okay. Boop. Fun fact about uh, newer computers, they don't have audio jacks anymore. <laughs> so I'm using a Bluetooth headset and it keeps one side dies and I put it back in the charger and then the other side why, dies. Why do we hate the humble 3.5 millimeter audio jack that has done us so well for so long? Yeah. Ugh, thinner, lighter. <laughs> I still stand the 3.5. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the dumb thing is, like, it does not take up any more space than the three USB-C uh, absolutely. Than it has but that's it. that's big dock. <laughs> big dock and all yeah. the money that it's making. Yeah, they want you to buy a Everything. connector. Yeah, they want you to buy not a connector, a yeah, adapter. Big dongle. Yeah. <laughs> the dongle love. Pocket a big dongle. <laughs> Pocket a big dongle. That's absolutely <laughs> ep title. <laughs> Only if you listen through to the slightly infantile. Yeah, it's gonna be a blooper, but you're gonna have to listen. Yeah. Joke. It wouldn't be her first blooper title, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, I think the like two of these ago was like the tiniest methlet, which I'm pretty sure was a blooper. Uh, so good. Uh, I bought a big dongle. I can't handle it. <laughs>